You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. And now I'm going to invite you to hear scripture that really needs no introduction. How many times have you heard this? And how much we need to hear it now? Very simply, in Luke, it is this version and the most popular version of how we understand the birth of Jesus Christ. I invite you to hear it, not simply as, oh, the Christmas scripture, but as an invitation for us to find ourselves in the story and let it become our story. Paul Tungate's going to read to you now this passage of Scripture. Thank you for doing it, Paul. And may we all be blessed to simply listen and let it speak to us and reside within us. A reading from the second chapter of Luke, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house of the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Paul. Would you join with me for a brief prayer? I ask God for your anointing. I ask for your Holy Spirit to use me as a tool, an instrument of grace, not because of my ability or worthiness, but because you're able to use each one of us. I pray that you will anoint all of us, wherever we are, with the gift of the Holy Spirit that opens us up, opens up our hearts and our minds to receive what you want to give us today. So bless us and let this message and this time to help us be clear about how we can live faithfully and give us the power and courage to do so. In the name of Christ, amen. Over the last week, Laura and I have been on the internet searching out the gifts that we want to purchase and get shipped to loved ones. And in case some of them are watching today, I don't want to name the particular product, but there was something that we were interested in. So I went to their website and began to explore the possibilities. And within a few minutes of going to the website, I received an email letting me know of the great offer that was available right then if we were to act to purchase what we wanted to purchase and send. Well, we didn't act right then. We were still sort of exploring. But I want to simply tell you that from that day till this one, I continue to get emails with great regularity about the great savings available in this moment if I only act within a short period of time. And it seems like the longer I wait, the better the offers get. 
So if I have patience, I'm sort of hopeful that maybe in two weeks they'll just ship them free to me. Do you understand the pressure, the, the expectations, the opportunities of deadlines that are giving us right now to get ready for Christmas? It's a part of the season. It's not just in the gifts that, that we're purchasing and getting ready. It's, it's all the things we have to do to get ready. It, in my life right now, there are all kinds of deadlines that we need to hit to make sure we are ready. Times we have to get together to get into Advent devotions that so many are watching, to record the services, to do the Zoom calls. You know the drill. So many of us are living right now against the pressure and time and expectations of when do we have to get ready for the next thing. Some of you are experiencing that as you go to school with your children and help them walk through their learning experience. All the ways in which time is a pressure to us, in which it seems to offer to us an opportunity, if only we act now. Well, as you know, we're trying to act now in celebrating receiving a little Christmas, doing so a little bit early. Doing so because our heart and souls in this world needs to feel this gift that the Christ child brings. And trusting that while Christmas for us is a seasonal expectation, it is by the gospel standards an invitation for a way to live, it feels somehow right this year to get into the story a little sooner than we have in the past. And it was my interest to go to the Luke story today, if we find, as Paul just read it to us. Not only because it's the Christmas story, and who doesn't want to spend time looking and listening to that, but because I'm intrigued by Luke's fascination and focus on the timing of Jesus' birth. Unlike Matthew, where we hear the other story, and John, where we get some language around the birth of Christ, Reality is in Luke, it's the only place where he worries about us knowing when it happens uh, in those days, a decree in those days, not some random days, but in those specific days. A decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, this was the first registration, not the second or the third, be clear, and was taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. You, you remember that, right? Not when he was the lieutenant governor, but when he was the governor. I mean, there's this fascination that we locked down when this occurred. And then the story tumbles out of those geopolitical realities. It's because of all that that Joseph has to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem and Mary with him, though one wonders why she had to take the trip just for a tax issue. But the point is, the whole story seems to be set up initially by worrying around the specifics of the right timing of the birth of Jesus. Now, the truth is, if you go into much of the historical biblical scholarship, there's some debate as to whether Luke even got his timing right, his facts right. That is to say that not everyone agrees that the timing of Quirinius' reign alongside that of other things that are going on lines up exactly how Luke described it. So maybe there's some question about that. But it's also true, isn't it, that wouldn't have Luke understood that those hearing the story maybe were not up on their historical remembrance of exactly when people were in power and when the first taxation occurred? This is a pretty limited range of knowledge 
It's not going to last very long, certainly not into the second generation of Christians, and certainly not for us. So why all this focus, if it's not to help us lock it in on a specific day? I think it's because Luke is trying to tell us that Christmas comes in a specific time in history. Maybe not on this day. But all of this intrigue around when the taxation occurred and who was in power is a reminder to those who would hear the story that it was a time of oppression. It was a time of upheaval. It was a time when the authorities could say, you need to leave your home and travel across to go over to that city where you were born and register. It'd be as if right now people were to say, wherever you were born, you need to leave Clarkston or wherever you're watching from and go back to your place of birth for a taxation and census purpose. Can you imagine how that would be received? Luke is telling us that the birth of Christ happens in the midst of all this turmoil, in the midst of all this unsettled time, in the midst of not knowing for certain what the future would bring. That's what Luke is trying to tell us of the timing of Christmas. He's trying to help us understand that right here, right now, during this season that we're living in, on December 6th, 2020, with all that is going on, it's a time not unlike when Jesus arrived. So maybe it's okay to begin thinking about how we could act in receiving the gift that God wants to give us in this moment, the gift of this Christ child. It's easy right now for us to consider the fact that perhaps there is no right time and this certainly doesn't feel like a time of blessing for so many. It's a time of challenge. It's a time of struggle. It's a time of concern. And of course it is. It's a time when we wonder, are we really going to have a Christmas this year with everything that we normally put around Christmas, knowing that those things are not likely going to happen? Well, here we are. And we're having this opportunity to consider whether we will have a Christmas this year. And the timing of the original story encourages us to understand, yes, we can. One of my favorite musicals is Fiddler on the Roof, and there's a place in it as the residents of Antefka are getting forced to leave. And Model, one of the characters in the story, turns to the rabbi and says, we've been waiting for the Messiah to come for so long. Wouldn't this be a good time for him to come? The understanding that in the middle of this disruption and challenge, perhaps this would be a good time to be delivered. The rabbi says, well, perhaps we'll have to wait a little longer. But Luke says, maybe not. Maybe right now we can experience this gift. And so how do we do that? How do we have a little Christmas right now? Recently, I was reading an article by Bishop uh, Devadar, who is a bishop of the United Methodist Church in the New England Conference. He's from India uh, originally and brings great leadership to that area of the church. And in answering some of the questions around whether or not we could be faithful, we can 
celebrate Christmas this year. He wrote an amazing article where he talks about the fact that in the middle of challenging times, it is exactly where we as Christians find the best moments to experience God's grace and mercy. He quotes from Mark uh, 13, in the middle of a challenging time, keep watching because you don't know when the owner of the house will come back. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch, or in another translation, stand your post. To choose in this moment, right now, as we are inviting you to do, to stand and be the children of God, the followers of Jesus Christ, who will say, we will not put off and wait for somehow to celebrate all that Jesus has to give. We will be God's people in this moment. Bishop talks to us in, this, in his article about we are called to be those folks who stand our post by living faithfully in this moment. And I celebrated his message as a gift to me that I want to share with you today. For us to receive Christmas now will not be found in the ways in which we get the trees up and the cookies decorated and the gifts purchased alone. Though that's all fun to have. It'll be found in the way in which we choose to live our lives. Mary and Joseph in the story chose to be faithful. They chose to be willing. And when the time was right for the child to be delivered, they were present in the moment and Christ came to them. That is the story of the gospel today. You are invited to live in that way. Yesterday, we had a time with our confirmation class, and it was a Zoom virtual call. But it was a time of them learning about John Wesley and what it is to be a Methodist. It talked not only about Wesley's life, but Wesley's understanding that we are called to live in a unique way, as Christians, and within the Christian family, there is a way to live as Methodists. Reduced down, made as simple as possible, it, come down, it comes down to this. It's what we taught our confirmands yesterday. It's what we share with you today. Three rules. Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. But to unpack that lesson is to get into a deep understanding of a way of life, of choices we make every day about how we will live as victorious representatives of, the, of, of Jesus Christ and be his disciples in the world. Do no harm. You hear that, you may think, well, that's a fairly passive way of living, but it's not. To do no harm is to actively be on guard for those who are vulnerable, to make sure those who are in danger's way have someone to stand alongside them to protect them and serve them and care for them. To do no harm is to advocate for the things that do not do any harm in the community, in the world, to the environment. It is for us to stand as people who say, you will not mess up what God is trying to do in this place. We will not allow harm to occur, nor will we create harm out of our own desire to have it our way. We will even be willing to adapt because we understand that to act in normal ways in unusual times is to risk people, to put others at risk, and we will not live in that fashion. To do no harm, as we taught the confirmands, is an intention to make sure that we are standing guard and ready to act faithfully, compassionately. To do good is not simply to be a do-gooder. It is not to do random acts of kindness. 
To do good is to make sure that we are invested in the world as those who are ready to advocate on behalf of God, who are ready to bring forward God's mercy and joy, who are able to give out of our own abilities as God would give. To do good is to live with a radical generosity. It is why we embrace it in this church as United Methodists. We believe that being radically generous in doing good for others is the way in which we experience the fullness of faith, the fullness of our life, and yes, in this season, the fullness of Christmas. And so we plan, we act with radical generosity. There's something about fear and trepidation that makes people hunker down and tighten up and be scared. The faith won't let us do that. We will stand and be ready to offer compassion. So, yeah, when we can't be in the building, we will light up the parking lot with, with trees to show Christmas lights. When we can't do things the way we normally do it, we will partner with schools to care for those in the community that they know about as a, as a partner to making sure that needs for families without resources will be met by those of us who have resources. We stand ready to serve the community at large, wanting to do good because we want to witness the goodness and power of Jesus Christ and to stay in love with God. We choose to stay connected to each other. We'd love to be together. I'd give anything to be standing in the gathering space right now giving hugs, but we take what we can do right now and we tune into each other and we listen to each other. We engage in worship. We go to the daily devotionals and have such a great time and are blessed by that. We take time in our personal life to read scripture, to sing hymns. When we can't sing in a crowd, you can sing on your own to be engaged in behavior that opens up our hearts and minds to look up and look within and receive grace upon grace in the name of Jesus Christ. It's who we are. It's how we live. It's our way of life. We taught the confirmands that, and I remind all of us of that. That's how we're going to experience Christmas now. This way of living, to do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God, affects how we organize our life and how we use our resources. Part of what it is to be a Methodist, if you will, is to embrace that way of seeing the world. It's why we're unique in the way in which we understand our connection to Methodists across the world. Right now, we're part of a Methodist community that is worldwide. And yes, yes, it's not a perfect community. And there are places where we are in disagreement. But at the core, at our best, when we are doing what God wants us to do, we are in fact doing no harm, doing good, and staying in love with God. Right now, you and I are partnering with Methodists, even in the state of Michigan. How? Real quickly, let me tell you this. We are involved in a ministry right now in, uh, in Garden City that is there for special needs children and adults. How are we there? Because through our ministry shares, the money we give to conference, some of that goes to support that ministry. They couldn't do it without that support. We are involved in social justice and caring ministries throughout the state, particularly this year in 2020, when we experienced the flooding and the damages and the devastation to homes and families around Midland and other places around the, the basin there in the Saginaw Bay City area and other places where flooding occurred in the state. Do you know that we help support through our ministry shares? Yes, it's a portion, but it's a part of how we live out our faith 
support seven people in this, in this state right now whose job it is to make sure that people are cared for who've lost their homes, who are facing challenges that are not of their own doing, but they're coming back and they're coming back with help because of what you and I support. That's who we are. Do you know that we, in the, we share in these ministries, share opportunities also uh, up in the Upper Peninsula. We have a person in the Upper Peninsula that we help support to make sure that he and the ministry that he leads is able to offer care and compassion to a place of economic disparity in the rural area of the Upper Peninsula, caring for families, making sure they are resourced well, making sure they are fed, making sure they are taken care of and cared for. Now, that's part of what we do in our ministry. And so when I talk to you as a congregation about the fact that we're trying to close the $40,000 gap that we still have in our giving this year to ministry shares, it's not about meeting a budget. It's not about making people happy that we close that out at 100%. It's about caring about others regionally as well as locally in our own community. We choose to do these things because it is how we understand to put ourselves in the position that Joseph and Mary were, to be in a place where the world is challenged and upside down. We get to stand their post. We get to stand firm and be faithful. So I'm going to invite you right now to receive Christmas by standing your post as children of God, as disciples of Jesus Christ. Do no harm. Find ways in which you can act that care for the vulnerable. Make sure that the words that come out of your mouth are affirming and encouraging, not disparaging and disrespectful. Make sure that people see in you somebody who brings hope and joy, and not positivity of a hopeful mind, but rather of a confirmed and convicted soul given over to Christ. Do good. Live generously. The giving as you have given to the life of this church this year has been, quite frankly, amazing. And what we need to have happen in the next few weeks to be able to fulfill all of our accomplishments and and commitments will require even greater generosity. So I am going to ask you to give generously as you think about the offerings you make to the church in these next few weeks. Help us be strong in not only as we end this year, but as we enter 2021. But also give generously of your time, of caring for others around you, of the way in which you have been blessed. Share those blessings with others. Then you will discover a beautiful Christmas experience that can come long before December 24th. Stand there with God. Take time this week, right now, put it in your calendars. When are you going to take time tomorrow to pray? Would you dare take time this week to open up and read the Christmas story found in Matthew and Luke and in the Gospel of John and start to embrace it and think about it and let it continue to stir in your mind and heart over these next few weeks. Let us take this opportunity to not just wistfully hope that Christmas comes early, but do behaviors and actions and make commitments to be those whom we are called to be, just as Mary and Joseph were called to follow and go on the journey that took them to a place where the time came 
for Christ to arrive, and they were there. That can happen for us. It is happening in our midst right now. May God bless you with the courage and the clarity of the decisions that you and I make to do no harm, to do good, and to stay in love with Christ so that Christmas, in all of its beauty, in all of its power, and all of its redeeming ways that it brings us into the place where Christ is, be the experience that we receive this week and that we share this week. May this be our truth. To God be the glory as we act in faith. Amen and amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.